Hello everyone, this is Josh. Hey, it's me, Mark. And uh, we welcome you to the Walk in the Light podcast, and may God bless you all. Uh, just a little update, obviously, we've been away for a while, um, as we talked about in our and uh, the last few that I was doing solo, um, Mark was, you know, doing his school stuff and uh, getting ready for his new career as a nurse. Yep. And, and uh, I'm so, there. Yeah, he's yeah, there. I'm he, there. He made it. I Well, we're doing something. <laughs> um, no, he, yeah. He's being paid. So yeah, he, I am he, being on paid. On some scale, he made it. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I graduated with my registered nurse, nursing degree, and I work at the hospital that, well, I stayed at the hospital that I already worked at, but now just in a different role, and we're really excited to get back into doing the podcast together again. Josh did excellent in my absence. I, he could just take it and keep on going with it, but I'm, I'm glad he let me come back. <laughs> right. Yeah, I figured, uh, why not? You know, I'm, I'm into charity, but no, no! On, a, on a serious note. Uh, we, we've been talking about doing this one for a few weeks now, and uh, we're really excited about it. We're, we've kind of uh, incorporated a few different takes. Uh, we kind of blended what we're what we we're doing before with kind of a, I don't know, an exegesis slash topical kind of study, I guess. I, so I instead of previously how we were doing it was it was very topical-based, which we're still doing. We're taking topics that we want to talk about. However, rather than grabbing a bunch of verses from a bunch of places to support the topic that we want to talk about. We find a topic and we take one section generally, one, one area of scripture that talks about said subjects, subject and we really delve into the meaning of that verse and why it applies to what we're talking about. Where in, in for example, today we're using t only two passages of scripture. At the very end, we have a couple of supporting passages, so you don't think we're we're taking too much out of one spot. But both passages that we're using today are specifically out of Mark chapter 11 and Mark chapter 12. So again, rather than having, oh, here's some Old Testament books, here's some here's some New Testament books. You know, what does Revelations have to say about yeah. this? Yeah, it's of, it's more of, focused. Yeah, instead of jumping all over the place, we'll be more direct. But also, it kind of opens this up where we can do a little bit of a series. So as Mark said, we have some supporting verses at the end. And uh, I think there's a possibility that we might even go over those as a part of, uh, so not to, got a little bit ahead of myself there, but today we're going to be talking about spiritual corruption. Um, and today's is going to be more specifically around like the fig tree, uh, the fruitless fig tree, and then and then the uh, main passage that kind of feeds off of that. But uh we're, we were even talking about maybe even off of corruption going into the other stuff like uh, the support verses that we'll have at the end, kind of going into those and kind of bringing it all together. Um, yeah. So that's a possibility. But uh, before we get too crazy, uh, today, uh, again, we're looking at corruption and the primary focus will be Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44, if you want to get ready for those. Um, but we would also like to give some context to those passages. And so for context, we will be looking at uh, Mark chapter 11, 12 through 33. Um, but first, uh, as always, let's get into some prayer. And we're going to use Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> so God, we ask that Christ would grant all of us, according to the riches of his glory, be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend 
with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right. So again, we're talking, we're first going to start off in Mark chapter 11, and we're going to break it down into smaller verse sections. Our main passage again is in Mark chapter 12, but before we get there, we kind of have to lay a foundation. So first we have Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 33 totally, but I'm just going to first talk about verses 11, 12 through 14. So it says, On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So to begin, Jesus comes upon a fig tree, and from the distance, it has the appearance of a tree that could be bearing fruit. But upon closer inspection, as he drew closer, this tree was plainly not bearing any fruit at all. Now this should be taken in a literal sense. This did happen. This isn't a parable. But we need to discuss the deeper representation of a false Christian, or possibly even a true Christian, but that is living so carnally that at least in this area, they're not bearing any fruit. Again, from a distance, they appear like a true believer or a believer that should be bearing fruit, but upon closer inspection and testing, their true nature becomes visible. Now, this isn't intended to to be the end-all, be-all of a genuine faith versus not a genuine faith. We're not saying go out and, and try to determine whether or not somebody's truly saved or not. But more to, the, to point out that there is corruption and there is a, false believers and or believers that look like they're bearing fruit but they're not that can exist within the church. I don't know if you have any other words for that. No, I think that's great. And so... Um... Uh, to continue uh, from verse 15, and we will go in this section to 19, it oh, says... You know what? Before you go on, can I, can I add something yeah. to that? I want to point out, we've said this before in, in, in previous studies, the, a Christian will at some point bear some fruit. No Christian can ever never bear any fruit at all. I just want to make sure that's, that's clear. A Christian will at some point bear some amount of fruit. So there will be some evidence at some point in life that you were truly regenerated. Right. If there was no fruit at all, then you weren't a true believer at all. Yeah, and we have to also acknowledge off of that that we, we individually may not experience that, person, that person's season of exactly. fruit bearing. Um. And so we have to be very careful when we get into the game. I, I think as Christians, we shouldn't get into the game of genuine believers versus non-genuine believers. I don't think it's constructive because of that reason. We don't mm -hmm. know if they've been in a season of bearing fruit and then they've come out of it. Um, but it is important, important to identify. Exactly. Them. It's a tool for discernment. Correct. It's not a tool for us to be the judge, jury, and executioner of people's faith. I just wanted to, again, no, wanted no, to preface that. No, Sorry to interrupt great, you. No, <laughs> that's a great point. I'm glad you did. And so again, back to 15 through 19, and it says, And they came to Jerusalem, 
and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. <clears throat> this passage is intended to show the corruption within the synagogue and what Jesus' response to it. His response to it was severe and unwavering, and as Christians, so should ours. This also reveals to us that there will be people whose interests are not in Christ and scripture, but in exploiting believers and those seeking answers. Yeah, and I think, too, with that, another thing I would like to preface is we're kind of going through quite a bit of scripture right now. This isn't the only lessons to learn from these, but but these <clears throat> lessons or these points that we're making are, are definitely there. Yeah, but again... Will... They, they will lead to a greater point that we're that we will make towards the end of the of today's podcast. Yeah. Um, but this is just again to kind of bring in like the supporting pieces to it and give us context. So so far, the the two pieces of context that we have is there will be either a false believers or carnal believers, and two that there will be corruption in the church. Those are the kind of the two points so far. So to continue on. Verses 20 through 26, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Now, this verse here, or these verses here, shows that God will not only expose false teachings... So, again, the fig tree, he showed that it wasn't bearing any fruit, but will also curse those who teach lies and try to lead his children astray. Now, this is contrasted by true faith, which can move mountains. Exactly, and I, I really like that verse. There's a, I think if you really broke it, took time to really break it down, I think there's a lot of meat in there. And uh, we obviously don't have enough time today, but I really like a lot of aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Um. So continuing in verse 27, and this will go to 33. And we'll finish it up there. This, this pre preface yeah, to the main point that yeah, we're getting our, our to. Supporting, <laughs> our supporting passage here. Yeah. Um, and they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority, authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you come? Why did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? 
they were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. At first, these verses may seem like they don't fit, but uh, but we think a crucial detail to the main passage we are going to get into uh, is supported by these verses. The scribes, elders, and the Pharisees were not attacking Jesus exclusively because of his teachings, although they were, but also because he was very bad for business. By revealing corruption and and changing hearts within the synagogues, Christ was cutting off these corrupt leaders from their supply of power and wealth. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes. So first we want to read out the entire passage. Then we want to break it down. And then finally we will kind of do a little bit of a summarizing and our takeaways and how they apply to today's Christian. So our main passage again is going to be Mark chapter 12 verses 38 through 44. And at first, again, we'll read it, and then we'll break it down. So it says, And in this teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in, mar and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and the poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his <coughs> disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So on a at a first glance, this story has the appearance of being about tithing. At a second glance, it can appear to have a deeper message about the genuine heart for Christian for Christ versus hypocrisy. Which they it does it, have lessons it about there. these, <laughs> but there's even more. But again, and I, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts. We have we have the surface. We have, we, in this case, we even yeah. have a second layer, and then there's a third layer, and they are all true. And so the third aspect that, that we want to take an even deeper inspection of is this passage exemplifies Christ's attitude towards the corrupt and those that have been impacted by that corruption. I really feel like we need to drive a point home here. This is not, again, a lesson about tithing uh, or just a lesson on tithing. Or a lesson on hypocrisy, although they're very much there. But it's incredibly important that we see this as a glimpse into Christ's heart towards the weary and heavy laden and those that seek to exploit those people. Yeah, so let's talk about Christ's attitude towards the wicked and greedy. So the first couple of verses, I'm just going to read them again. They go, and in his teaching he said, Beware the scribes who like to walk around in log robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So first let's look at Christ's descriptions of these people. They have long robes. They like greetings. They hold places of honor. They have the best seats and they make long prayers. These individuals, they're powerful they're teachers, they're leaders, they're businessmen. So 
those of us today and the Jews of that time would have known them as high class. These are the people that you wanted to be. These are the people that you wanted to be friends they were popular. with. They were popular. Like, and they were like, trusted. Right, exactly. Like in Luke chapter 6, it talks about, um, you know, these people, they they will be liked. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's chapter 6 here. Um, but essentially, these are people that are, you know, that are liked and uh, they're popular. And, mm-hmm. and people take their advice. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But you shouldn't. But you shouldn't. <laughs> but you shouldn't. They are the fig tree from a distance. Again, they look genuine. I mean, these are people of the church. But these people are not genuine. Again, upon closer inspection, you see that they're not bearing any fruit. They are today's pastors, elders, and shepherds that are not teaching truth. They are, they are the believer. They are the people that say they're believers but are not. Or they might be people that are believers better so far away from the truth right now that they're living like they're unsaved. They make nice sounding prayers. They donate a lot of money. But what does Christ say about them? They devour widows' houses. And what's interesting about this passage, and again, the the wording is very interesting here. Words like devour. This isn't just a widow. It's a poor widow. So this is to exemplify their filthiness. We'll explain it this way, but Josh, you have a point. Yeah, so uh, just to continue off what Mark's saying here, I think it's very important that when we read Scripture, there's a lot of things that we should look out for that help us break down verses, and one of them is emotional terms. Sometimes emotional terms are good things, like when uh, when Paul talks about believers as being children or beloved, beloved, uh, you know, and on and on. But then there's also negative emotional mm-hmm. terms, warnings and stuff like that. And here we see, you know, um, uh, again, the word devour, we cannot skip over that word. This is a critical word. Um, that he doesn't think, just say takes advantage of, he says, no, they devour. Yeah, widows. It's not a simple exploitation. They are, they are hungry with complete disregard for the well-being of the widows. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So again, so let's exemplify this filthiness. These high-class Jews of the time, they devour these widows' houses through some form of exploitation. Now those same widows, if, we're, if, we're, if we think about the widow coming in to give the widow's mites to make a penny, they come into the synagogue and they give all they have left with a genuine heart who want to honor God. But these same high-class Jewish individuals are the ones back in Mark 11, 15 through 17, who are exploiting even more by either selling pigeons, money changing, literally what God calls is making the synagogue a den of robbers. So they're either allowing these things to happen or they're even partaking in it. So it's almost like a double robbery in, in, in a it sense. Is. So they they rob, they're, they're, they're devouring their widow ho- their, the widow's houses and then they come into the church and they're devouring even more because you have to ask yourself the money that these widows are tithing even if they even make it to the tithe to the tithe right. before once they get past the pigeons right who do you think that money's going to i mean if these scribes straight back are, into the hands straight back into the hands so i mean again these people are disgusting and that's why jesus is using such emotional language here and that's why the warning it starts off beware of these people yeah, these are scribes, money changers, and and many others, and they're robbing these people, again, like Mark said, both within and outside the synagogues. So what does that look like today? 
So one of the first things that comes to my mind are the prosperity TV evangelists. So these are the people that, that scream at you to donate money, and you're going to be blessed if you do. When you watch or hear them, what are they focusing on? Again, they're focusing on power, money, and success. They will stand behind their pulpits, yelling until their faces turn red to donate money that many of the people that listen to them barely have. And when they're finished, they get on a private jet and fly to their vacation home. And what's worse is they promise you that if you donate, you'll have riches and success. Yeah, if you do all these, yeah. if you do all these things, it's a checklist. If you do this and that, this and that, give them money, do this. You'll have all these things in return, and you're promised, uh, and they'll tell you that you're going to have a lack of suffering, which in the Bible we're promised that we're going to have when we reveal Christ, only if you donate. Now, again, this is just one example of corruption in today's church, but these people are popular, there's a reason they're millionaires. It's the same people that were the scribes and the businessmen and the pigeon sellers of in in the in the Jew, not Jew I was about to say Jewish days yeah. in, in, in the biblical in this story that we're reading in the biblical day in Christ's day. So we're, we're, we experience it here. It just has a different face. So exactly. And so um, now let's take a look at the the second passage. And it starts, uh, goes in from uh, 41 to 44. And it says, and I'll just repeat it again and again, we'll go through and break it down. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And then he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put more, put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contribute out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Uh, again, we have to point out that this is someone that Jesus cares for. Christ says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. She is clearly weary and heavy laden. And it is a warning uh, to us against those who would exploit the suffering that is why he uses words again like beware and devour. There are truly ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing, and we must be vigilant against them. So let's uh, start breaking this down. Um, one, we want to, uh, uh, God wants us to recognize corruption and its destructive nature. This is the main point of today's podcast. There are those who look and act the part, but upon closer inspection, have wicked hearts unaligned with scripture. Some may be carnal Christians like others who don't have any relationship with Christ. These are businessmen and they are very, uh, Christ is very bad for their business. Exactly. So again, these, these people that we're talking about, this corruption, some of them, again, may be genuine believers and some of them might not be. They might not have any relationship with Christ at all. But irregardless, to, to say it again, these guys are businessmen and Christ in scripture, truth, is bad for business. That is why, again, you look at that. That is one of the main reasons all these people were going after Christ. They were taking away their wealth. They were taking away their power. They were taking away their authority. Yeah, and I think, I think one of the things I love to look at when you're looking at both the scripture and the history is when we talk about the Ephesians and stuff like that. In their time, 
Christianity was first starting to come through, and there's many different types of peoples, Gentiles, Jews, and and people that were part of other faiths altogether. And um, there was people in that in, in that city in that time that were making like uh, idols, and mm-hmm. they were craftsmen and businessmen, and they were making idols and and other things, and um, to to false gods like Artemis and, and others. And when Paul came through and, and, and the Christian church was starting to grow, they started to get away from these idols and it was bad for business. It was bad. So Christ was bad for business then. And Christ acting through the body, uh, through his body, the church was ruining business in Ephesus. Yeah. And, and, and so we see that, it didn't change when we represent Christ, we are bad for business. We are bad for these corrupt and greedy people exactly. that appear within the church, whether at one point being true believers or just people that were just greedy and looking to make a buck and they knew Christians mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, people that were looking for answers were easy to pick on. Exactly. And another thing that we want to point out, this is one of the, you know, other lessons that people genuinely take away that we, we, we still want to point this out that this lesson is still here. God wants us to have a genuine heart like the widow and one that abstains from hypocrisy, one that doesn't do things for pretense, like these scribes, these elders, these businessmen were doing. Have a genuine heart when you give. It's about quality over quantity. Yeah, because there is a reason to give within the church. There's a lot of, in in a true church mm-hmm. environment, which obviously the church is the people, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the church, the <laughs> the the building or the organization, whatever you call it. If it's a genuine true church. They do use that money for good purposes. Yeah. They use it for missionary trips. They uh-huh. use it for uh, discipling and grow groups and and all kinds of stuff. I mean, uh-huh. we could make a list, but when you're there, there is genuine reasons to give to the church to help support them. But yeah. we also need to identify, and we're going to go over this a little bit later, how to spot when we're in an environment that may not be a true or a yeah. genuine environment. Exactly. And the last lesson, if you will, that we just kind of want to point out. Again, the first main topic was corruption in the church, but but one more is understanding God's heart towards the lost and the broken and suffering, which is a heart that we should have as well. Again, this widow, the weary and heavy laden, the when Christ says, you know, the, the last will be first and the first will be last. Christ has a heart for the suffering, for the broken, for the unwanted and the unloved. And we should have that heart as well. Exactly. And, and the main reason I wanted to add this, obviously the, the main topic of this is, is corruption and, and being aware of, being aware of it. But when I, when I take a look back at this passage and I just kind of think to myself, like, what, what is it that it, Jesus is trying to tell us? And I think he's, tr- he wants us to know his heart towards people and, and that there's corruption out there that would devour us, that doesn't, care for people it doesn't have a love so again it's a genuine heart um in understanding god's heart towards us yep so our takeaways for today uh takeaways for today's christian in regards to corruption is and we're going to kind of have like a more open topic to close it out here but uh the first one is um and, and this isn't a complete uh, list, but we kind of want to give you a couple ideas that maybe you we want to give you some to... application. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Applications and maybe a little bit of a homework 
in know, a sense, yeah. In, in a way. Uh, so the first one is how to spot a false teacher. Yeah, so we have three different areas, and of course there's always more. But the first area of how to spot a false teacher is, one, a doctrinal issue, something that doesn't line up with scripture. It obviously doesn't line up with scripture. And that's why we should test everything against scripture. That's why Paul praised the Bereans when he said, you know, everything that I said, they went back and they, they ensured that what I said was truth. Exactly. And I always like to say, I can't, I, I'll have to look back at it. I don't remember who the quote came from, but I, I say it all the time. Uh, discernment isn't the difference between right and wrong. It's the difference between right and almost right. And I think that when we're looking at false teachers and false prophets, I think that's a dangerous area, area we play in. And I think that's how, well, I don't think that's how people are deceived is because they're not looking on this big spectrum of right and wrong. It's those little areas where it's like, is that exactly what the Bible says? Well, I mean, it's right to tithe. It's right. it's right. To, it's a right. right to give, I mean, but it's did, not. How did you know, Adam and Eve fall? Exactly. It, wasn't, it wasn't this big thing, you know, that Satan came and he twisted just a little things and it was like is that exactly, exactly what, God said? what he said you know again it's right to tithe but these people were tithing with the wrong intention you know exactly so again that's why you do have to be careful with these gray issues so again do doctrinal issues things that are clearly or again it takes a little bit of homework to see okay is what they're saying actually true so test what people say whether they be a teacher or a leader or just another any individual Anyone. that you know Test what they say against scripture and see if it aligns. And if it doesn't, then we have a problem. Number two is, what does their audience say? This is an interesting one. <laughs> so if this is a teacher or a leader, specifically in the church, or they have a following of, of people that claim to be believers, or maybe they are believers, what do they say about their leader, about what they're teaching them? Me and Josh have had experiences where people will say, yeah, I'm going to this Bible study or I'm going to this teaching one-on-one, -on -one, whatever it may be. And they go, and, and this lesson we learned X, Y, and Z, which was clearly not aligned with scripture at all. And that was a massive red flag. So you, you might go to a church service and it sounds great, the service you went to, but, t but talk to the congregation and see what, what, what does the pastor generally talk about? And there's two aspects of this because one, we, we do have to be careful because sometimes people make it into a genuine church and they're just not really listening. Yeah. Um, they're, the reason for being there may be selfish and mm -hmm. not genuine. Um, but as a whole, you should see if you, if you see somebody that's following close to a teacher and they leave with wrong things and I'll, and I'll kind of give you an example. So not given any names, but, I do know somebody that was that, you know, in the workplace and, and, and both, both in the workplace and personally was teaching a large group of people, whether individually or as, as a group in a small group. And, um, and he was very charismatic and, and, and things like that. And later on, one of the people that really followed close to him and came and came to me and asked why Jesus had to die on the cross, which should be a very, relatively easy like they should have known the answer to that if they had been going how for a close while they were to this person and how and how far along they were following them the gospel should have been clearly laid out known at least relatively well mm -hmm. i would think and so that's just kind of something to look out for not so much 
you know, it could be a corrupt audience, but it could also be an audience that just really isn't getting anything from their teacher and they don't realize it. Yeah, exactly. So again, just see what, ha what, see what the audience has to say, see what they have to say, but also see what the audience has to say. And then also, again, th this goes along with both of them. What is their focus? What do they talk about the most? And this is interesting because <laughs> as a church, you know, Paul exhorts us or he, he tells us to, you know, we should move on from the milk, you know, and go into the meat and potatoes. There are certain things that we should have down, which includes, I think in the list Paul gives, it includes the end times and salvation. Those were like the two main right. ones. However, that being said, if you go to a church or if you're listening to somebody and you have interactions with them, multiple interactions, and all they're talking about is Oh, for example, <laughs> what does the Bible have to say about aliens? Or do angels exist? Or, you know, does hell exist? So, you know, weird things like that. If that's all they ever talk about, but they ignore, for example, salvation and the gospel and grace, that, that's a red flag to me. Right. Because if the, and, and the same goes to if all they talk about is the gospel, but they never give you any teaching about, okay, you're saved now. How should the Christian live? I'm not saying that they're a false teacher or anything like that, but it's, again, it's just a word of caution. You should never just focus on one and only topic, at least in this scenario. Again, if you're like an evangelist, obviously you're going to be talking about the gospel a lot. And I think, I think to kind of help, help that point across if we want to kind of narrow it down a little bit is like, and this isn't all the checks and balances. Of, no, by of any means church, but something to look at is like, if you have one church that focuses on the gospel, uh, discipleship, growing people and expanding the church. And then you have another one that focuses on again, something like prosperity teachings exactly, and, and you know, and on and on and on, you know, which one of those is, concerning you know mm -hmm. like you again what is their focus if they're focusing on the gospel uh discipleship and growing people and and mm -hmm. teaching people to be a student of the word then you probably got a really good focus. exactly and then you know and then there's stuff like prosperity teachings and, and exactly and and like i said i just want to circle back if i can just quickly when i said only focus on the gospel or only focus on salvation those are good things to focus on i, I don't want to give the wrong right. impression but I what, what i mean, mean is but... like it's like if that's all they ever talk about and they, all they ever do is stay in the first four books of the new testament the first four gospels but they never talk about paul's teaching that's a concern because it they is, should they should, should move be. on. I, I just wanted to preface that. But again, like prosperity teaching, if that's all they ever talk about is about God's blessing towards you or God's gifts towards you. I mean, I remember or if this. you do this and that, this and, and that, and, you, you'll be blessed and you'll never see suffering. Exactly. But that's all they ever talk about. I, I mean, I've had interactions with people where every time I talk to them, they were open about their faith and about God and the Bible, but all they ever wanted to talk about, this was back in, in Laramie, as a matter of fact, um, all they ever wanted to talk about was the gifts, um, the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible. That's all, every, every time. And, and it was like, well, why is that the only thing you ever want to talk about? Why don't we talk about grace? Why don't we talk about how you came to know Christ? You know, and they kind of gave me a description, but it wasn't a very good one. Um, I mean, uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll move past that. But um, it's just, again, another concern. So let's move on to 
we, we told you about spotting false teachers, what they look like. Now let's talk about how to respond to them. Exactly. And so the first one we, we wanted to talk about is love them. Uh, they're just like anybody else. They're just like anybody else. And we actually wanted to use uh, scriptural evidence for this one, um, one that I really like. And it's a short one here. It's Luke chapter 6, and it'll be verses 27 and 28. And it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Now, there's obviously a lot more we could go through here, and we can get into some really, really meaty stuff. But the thing is here is even though they're – they may be they may be trying to take advantage of us, exploit us, whatever it is, God still calls us to love them. And that's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it's especially hard and I will, you know, this is a moment of vulnerability. For me, when you have it's hard <laughs> it's hard to love somebody that is clearly going is using trying to use scripture but going against scripture you know you can have somebody that has no knowledge of scripture or very little you know that person you kind of understand it's like well you you don't know the standard by which i live but when you have somebody that claims to also believe in that standard but yet go so far against it that that's very hard for me so it's hard to love it's hard to love and but you know that's we have to we're commanded to we have to yep and then secondly is pray for them, which was also said in, in that verse. We love them and we pray for them. We pray that the Lord would soften their heart, that they would see the truth. They would see the error of their ways. If they're a believer, they would come back to the truth. If they're not a believer, that God would soften their heart and they would come to have a relationship and a saving faith in God and Christ. Exactly. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. And I think it's uh, exactly. it's really important. But I mean, prayer, I mean, that's... That's an answer for a lot of things. Start out. That's one of the prayer. ways you love them. <laughs> exactly. If you don't love them, you know, I mean, you're praying for them, and I think that's evidence of love, you know, in a way. Absolutely, and I think sometimes it also gives us perspective by mm-hmm. talking to God. I mean, like, what did God say? It's yeah. hard to love somebody when you're in the middle of praying for them, or it's it's hard to hate somebody. Excuse me. Yes, when you're in the middle exactly. of praying for them. Exactly. And so, and the third one on how to respond to them that we brought up here, again, this is not a complete list. This is just a few, few different things to think about. Uh, righteous correction with, uh, with scriptural evidence. Um, whenever we correct somebody, it's very important that if we know something is wrong, that we correct it. Yes. Um, and, and again, we'll go into it here in a second about have an emphasis on being gentle, kind, and graceful um but we also we need to be firm and 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 make it clear that that what they what they've said or what they're teaching is wrong and and, and, and we have ahead. to use scripture as the evidence if we're if we're going to point out that somebody's wrong we need to use God's word to show them why it's wrong you're not just picking a fight with somebody just to pick a fight exactly and and I would like to say something this is not <laughs> I we're not telling you to just go out and and scream at people that they have something wrong <laughs> look, with them. Look for something wrong. Yeah, look for something wrong. Sometimes you have to shake the dust off your sandals like Christ told the disciples and just leave it be. Unfortunately, but sometimes Holy Spirit led you need to take a stand as well. And I think as example I have of this um again Mark saying what Mark was saying, we're not going out and looking for people that are teaching incorrectly. But if we experience somebody that teaches something wrong, we should correct it. And the example of that is, is one time we were having a group prayer at work and um, 
one of the people in the in the prayer group um they have a big emphasis for some reason i'm not sure what the connection is but praying over the jews in israel and stuff like that which i'm not saying is wrong <laughs> no but, it's not wrong to but then what happened next was is they mentioned uh something along the lines of the jews didn't even want jesus to be crucified um and it wasn't the jews who had had jesus crucified that is a wrong teaching yeah um and so it was like okay this i have to correct this i have to correct it with grace and gentleness, but I also need to, you know, be firm in scripture and, and use scripture as the evidence. Yeah. The Jews, Pontius the ones. Pilate, <laughs> yeah, Pontius Pilate, um, he, uh, he was a very superstitious man. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus was speaking to him, he was like, I don't want any part of this. And he tried to give the yeah. Jews a reason to not crucify him. Mm-hmm. But they very much wanted him crucified, and so it kind of went a little longer there than what it should have. But it, the point is, is we don't we don't need to go out and seek it. But if if something is taught wrong, correcting it and making sure we use scripture as the evidence for the incorrect yeah, teaching. Absolutely, and and I would also like to to say one of the reasons we put firm but with grace, gentleness. We want to season our speech with salt. However, there are times for righteous anger. And what I mean is, to give two examples, one is Jesus himself overturning, you know, the tables in the church and, you know, saying, you know, you've turned my father's house into a den of robbers, okay? That wasn't necessarily gentle. When Paul says in Galatians, anybody that preaches a gospel other than mine, whether he be an angel from heaven or whatever, what have you, is to be accursed. That's not very gentle, but it was righteous. It was a righteous anger, and that is important. I think that's especially true when we see an injustice being done on an innocent. Exactly. I think that's when that's especially true. First, we should try to still approach it with kindness and grace, but if if we see a continued action of aggression towards an innocent, I think we have to shift to firm. Again, not hateful. No, no, it's not with hate. No, it's not with hate. Just this firmness that that is not okay. Yeah, exactly. So to finish up here, we, we wanted to give you a list of common areas of issues that you may experience that has a lot of false teaching surrounding it or false beliefs surrounding it. We're not going to go in and explain everyone. This is kind of where the homework comes in. You need to look these up for yourselves right. and and why they're wrong. I mean, we might give like a little brief couple of words on, on them, but we're not going to spend a lot of time because we're already going, going kind of long 42 here. 42 minutes, yeah. So, And again, this isn't a complete list, but just something to kind of keep Keep in the back of your mind. Exactly. So starting off with number one, it's the assurance of, of salvation and the road to salvation. So there's a lot of false teachings about how you get saved. We have a podcast on it. If you want to hear it, go back and listen to it. We're not going to tell you it again, but real quickly, have faith in Jesus Christ as the propitiation of your right. sins, that he died, or he came to earth, he died, and he rose again. And the New Testament is littered exactly. with things about false gospels. Exactly. And, the, and, and you know, just like the, uh, see, uh, what is it, the, the, the Sadducees? Sadducees, yes. Um, who didn't believe in a resurrection, and that's also yeah. a false teaching. So just stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. So It's not new to the church. No, it's not. It's not new to the church at all. But again... <clears throat> Trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as payment for your, for your sins. 
Also with that was the assurance of salvation. There are teachings that say you cannot be assured of your salvation, that you might lose it. That is also scripturally wrong. We might go into that later. That Again, that's its own can of worms, but not really, because there's a lot of evidence in the Bible that tells you there is no way you can lose your salvation. So if anybody teaches that you can, false. Do your homework. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number two would be promise of sp prosperity. There's a lot of people uh, on TV, um, a lot of huge names in the church. Books. That, books, um, that's another common place where you'll find um, find their attention. Now, that's not to say that people that write books on Christian things and stuff like that are inherently wrong. But, <laughs> but you know when they're talking about books about – that You're, the, you you will the, always be successful. How, how to be successful? How to how to pray for prosperity or what whatever it is that yeah. they teach. We're promised suffering. Yeah, that we, doesn't mean we won't have areas of of blessing. Sometimes God chooses to bless others with financial security or prosperity. For example, you can read about people that were rich in Scripture. Paul talks about it in the in the First Corinthians. So I'm not saying you have to be poor. We're actually going to get have, into the promise. You don't have to curl your brow at a at a wealthy person. Exactly. But just, but just know the what promise of prosperity is a false teaching. Um, number three would be exploitation, especially of the church. These these people, uh, unfortunately, the church, if if used in the wrong way can be very profitable and these people know it. And so they like to exploit the church and the people in the church. Obviously the church is yeah. the body, but we're also talking about the building itself. Exactly. All right. End time false prophecies. This kind of goes along with almost the exploitation. These are people that, that give you a date about when the end time is. The Bible is very clear that only God the Just Father any knows. Just date uh, for a false prophecy. I mean, obviously yeah. the end time is one of the big ones, but sometimes you'll see people just make wild predictions about on random when the rapture was yeah and that's not new to the church no and, you know um i think it was was it corinthians that suffered with the idea of they may have missed the rapture i'm not sure i don't, I don't, I don't remember back. i don't, don't remember either yeah, right. but, it, but the point is is this isn't new within no. the church false no. prophecies are not new no so again you have to be very careful with end time false prophecies or just again any any prophecies really we already have the completed work of god uh, the complete uh, completed word of god God, which is the Bible. So, all right, finally, or not finally, um, we have number five, charismania. <laughs> this yes. is... Uh, and so a little disclaimer <laughs> before we get into charismania. We <laughs> do not want to suggest in any way or devalue in any way the power and, and the capabilities of the Holy Spirit. That's not what this is. But we're, what we are talking about is an overemphasis or sometimes even exclusive focus on the spiritual gifts and, and the power that you can receive by becoming power, saved exactly the power that you can receive and it has less to do with the gospel and it's it's more of a focus on yourself and not on others which yeah. the bible tells us not to do well and again another little uh, example is i you know i had somebody that tell me that they didn't like worshiping like worshiping and praising God through music, which I'm not saying that's the only way to worship God. Let me say that. But they didn't like worshiping God through music. They And the, the, like, I don't know exactly what they said. This was a long time ago, but the, basically quoting them, they said, yeah, I'm not really into worshiping God. I'm more into the gifts. And I was like, so blown away by that. Like, <laughs> what? 
Like, and uh, if you a want real, an example a of real that, Simon the yeah, Magician yeah, scenario. exactly. I was going to say, <laughs> do your homework. Look, read about Simon the Magician, who literally wanted to pay the disciples for the power of the Holy Spirit, not because he wanted to be saved, but because he was a magician and, and he and, wanted and really, power. Um, they were bad for business. They were he, bad they for were, business. They were coming in and doing some tricks he didn't have up yeah. his sleeve. And, yeah, exactly. And he wanted to buy it. And really, um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but if you, if you, I know charismatics is something that people struggle with because they love to point out certain aspects of scripture. If you want to talk about gift of tongues and prophecies and all these other spiritual gifts. I'd love to have a separate conversation about yeah. it. There's a lot of scriptural evidence that tends to get overlooked when we talk about mm -hmm. these spiritual gifts that take them out of context. So if you want to have a separate conversation, send an email or something. We'll give you that information at the end. We can have a deeper talk about it. But the last one uh, that we wanted to go over. This is, is kind of a re retelling of the promise of prosperity in, in a way. Exactly. So the promise of easy living um, something that's really trending right now, and it's very scary, is New Age Christianity. I'm not going to go into a lot into it, but it, genuine Christians should be very worried when it comes to New Age Christianity. Um, or even sometimes, uh, aside from easy living, is the direct opposite, which is the teaching of hyper-suffering. Yeah, exactly. Because again, sometimes our suffering here in the United States is a lot different than the suffering in other countries. Other countries, you're getting your head chopped off for, for believing in Christ. Here, you're getting a, somebody might call you a bad word. You do not have to lose your head in order to be proven that you're a Christian. You might have a job that makes a lot of money, okay? You might have a job that doesn't. Either way, the point we're trying to make is there is a school of thought that says if you are not losing everything, if you are not just under constant and extreme pressure from the world and Satan and, and the flesh, then you are not a true believer because, only, because true believers have that constant and extreme pressure. That's not the case. Sometimes you'll have seasons of suffering. Sometimes you'll have seasons of prosperity. Like, where's the room for blessings? Exactly. Promise that, us for suffering in Christ's name. Exactly. We know that a, you know a lot of those are talked about in the next age, in the mm -hmm. next life. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we don't <laughs> at all receive yeah. blessings here. And then also, in addition to hyper suffering, is this idea of, and me and Mark have talked at great length, both personally and in the podcast, of this idea of repentance and suffering are you ever going to feel sorry enough are mm -hmm. you ever going to repent enough exactly my pat one of the things that my pastor said to me is god doesn't want you to every time you screw up to come with him with come to him with a king-size coke mm -hmm. he wants your faith mm -hmm. faith is the only way we're going to please god and so this idea of, of can i repent enough can i cry for my sins enough mm -hmm. can i do this and that enough it's not only is it works but it's it's not what the gospel's about. The, yeah. It Jesus Christ did it all for us. We don't mm -hmm. have to whip ourselves, be like <laughs> lash after lash on ourselves, exactly. be like Christ took lashes, so I have to. No, He did it for us. We don't yeah. deserve it, but He did it anyway. And that's and so that's kind of an extension on hyper suffering. You're never going to do enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. So again, some people experience more suffering than others do. Some people hide from suffering and they're losing out on a lot of eternal blessings from trying to hide from suffering. So again, we're, we're just trying to say that, you know, the, these kind of roadmap things, promise of prosperity, promises of constant and hyper suffering, all these are false teachings as well. And when we say do your homework, what we mean is look up what we're talking about and read the Bible. Do not Take what some Joe Schmo said about it, read the Bible, and see what the Bible has to say about these things. Exactly. And so just to close out, we wanted to bring up two supporting um, passages here. They're, they're very brief. Um, and again, we may even do an extension using these verses mm -hmm. yeah. for another part of the corruption series, yeah. um, especially if you guys are, are digging what we have so far today. <laughs> but, smelling what I'm cooking? Exactly. <laughs> so the first one is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, and it says, For the time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. Now, I know that is only two verses, but I feel like there's so much meat <laughs> in that package. And you also, you have to, there's so much context around it too that can't be missed out yeah. on so i'm really looking forward well the to next one is only one verse and there's a ton in here too uh, yeah exactly so i'll let you take this one so second peter 2 1 but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction and and one of the things that I really liked about me and Mark's conversations recently is like this idea of just because these people have fallen away, uh, you could say just outright apostasy doesn't mean that they weren't saved at one point. And I really like how it says their master, the master who bought them. These could be saved people that but they're just really far away from the truth. Exactly. All right. Yeah. So. Really long one. It's our first one in a while, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not upset, upset about, about it. it. I'm, I'm not, not either. We'll give you guys a little bit extra since you've missed us for so long. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, we want to know if you have any prayer requests or praises. If so, you can send them to Walk in the Light at walkinthelightsp.com. Again, that's Walk in the Light at walkinthelightsp.com. And again, if there's anything we talked about today that you'd like to go in deeper, like I said earlier, the charismatic stuff, we'd love to have a conversation on it. If you uh, like what we're doing here and you want more daily doses of hope in scripture, you can follow us at our social media accounts. We have a Twitter at walkin underscore the light. Again, that's walkin underscore the light. We have a Facebook, which is walkin the light. And our Instagram is walkin the light SP. Again, that's walk in the light SP. Yep. Any final comments, Mark? <sighs> well, this, again, this was a long one, but I'm not going to apologize again because I might have already apologized. Yeah, no, it was good. But we, we had a lot. We had a lot of fun putting this together yeah we had a lot of fun studying it and i think we had a lot of fun uh bringing it to you guys yeah. so I, I really hope you like it yeah. again not upset that it went no long. no 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 and i will say you know our social media accounts just like we kind of took a pause in in doing the podcast and 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 publishing the podcast episodes we've also kind of 
taking a pause in the social media accounts. But as we're starting to do this again, you'll see more and more activity on these accounts. So if you're following them, just know that they're, they're not deleted. They're not, you know, they've not been erased. They're, they're still there. very much alive. They're still very much alive. <laughs> so again, thank you guys. God bless. Just pray the Lord blesses you and keeps you for the rest of the week. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. Love you guys. Take care.